Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. The Buddha was in Sabadhi, in Jeddah's Grove, Anathapandika's monastery. Tisa, a monk in the Sangha, was distressed. He told the group of Sangha members, Friends, I feel lost and uninspired. My mind is cloudy and overwhelmed. I'm lethargic. I find this life unsatisfying. I'm uncertain about the Dhamma. The Buddha heard of Tisa's comments from the Sangha members and summoned him for a talk. Tisa went to the Buddha. He bowed in respect and sat to one side. Tisa, is it true that you feel lost and uninspired? Is your mind cloudy and overwhelmed? Are you lethargic? Do you find his life unsatisfying? Are you uncertain about my Dhamma? Yes, great teacher. Tisa, do you understand that one who is passionate, driven by desire, craving for and clinging to form and sensory satisfaction, will experience sorrow, regret, pain, distress, and despair due to change to form and loss of sensory satisfaction? So, here is the <clears throat> crucial sentence. You will experience sorrow, regret, pain, distress, and despair due to change to form and loss of sensory satisfaction. So, who is it that's having these issues here? His name is Tissa, and he is described as a paternal cousin to the Buddha. So this is someone from the royal family. This is someone who's living the good life before he came to the Dharma, before he came to the Sangha and went forth. He probably wasn't quite, he wasn't, didn't lead quite a, a, a dedicated, luxurious life as the Buddha, but um, he did just fine for himself. Well-dressed, well-fed, well-entertained. And he may not really have seen palace life or life in the royal family as confining like uh, the Buddha did. But I'm sure he was someone who was really entrenched in, in family life. He was, he was just part, he was a real worldly figure. Um, and those attachments to family, um, they go really deep. Um, this is really in our, in our genetic makeup to, to care for family, to care for offspring, um, to care for clan. Um, and you could almost see it as part of form as, as, as the Buddha calls it. This is, this is baked into your genes, this, um, this attachment to, uh, to family and clan. Um, and this is what I think the Buddha is very gently rubbing his nose in. 
Um, so, by going forth, Tisa certainly experienced that change in form. And the <laughs> the loss of the life of satisfaction. Uh, he's now a skinny monk, dressed in rag robes. And he doesn't have all those things anymore. Family, clan, prestige, loss of sensory satisfaction. So Jesus says, yes, I understand, great teacher. Good. This is what follows for one craving for, to form and sensory satisfaction. Jesus, do you understand that one, of his free, that one who is free from passion and released from craving for form and sensory satisfaction, does not experience sorrow, regret, pain, distress, despair, due to change of form and loss of sensory satisfaction. So he's telling him, Tisa, Anyone who abandons this passion and craving for form will never be bothered anymore by changes, by impermanence to form. Give this up and abandon this, this craving. Recognize it first, but then abandon it. And those changes will never bother you again. Jesus says, yes, I understand, great teacher. Good. This is what follows for one who is released from craving for and clinging to form and sensory satisfaction. Jesus, do you understand that one who is released from craving for and clinging to feelings or perceptions, or fabrications, or consciousness, does not experience sorrow, regret, pain, distress, and despair due to change in any of these aggregates? So it isn't just form that's the issue here. It is all the aggregates that make up this idea of ourselves that are in the way here, that are bothering Tisa. And those aggregates now make up what Tisa thinks of as himself. This is the thing that is being bothered, that is experiencing the dukkha. Jesus says, yes, I understand, great teacher. Good. This is what follows for one who is released from craving for and clinging to any of these aggregates. Jesus, do you understand? That form is impermanent and subject to change. Do you understand that feelings, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness, that all of these five aggregates are impermanent and subject to change? Yes, I understand, great teacher. Tisa, do you understand that what is impermanent, always subject to change, is stressful?
So all five of these aggregates are by their nature impermanent and will invariably lead to stress, to dissatisfaction and to discontent. If we base our sense of self on them, Well, Tisa, is it wise to cling to what is impermanent and stressful through self-identification as this is me, this is mine, this is what I am? No, says Tisa, it is not wise to cling through self-identification to what is impermanent and stressful. Then Tisa, I teach that any form, feeling, perception, fabrication, or consciousness should be known through wisdom and right view as this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. Train yourself, Tisa, in this manner. Any form or feeling or perception of fabrication or consciousness whatsoever that is past, present, or future, whether seen as internal or external, whether obvious or subtle, whether unique or pervasive, whether far or near, should, through right view, be known as, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. Understanding this, the well-instructed Dharma practitioner becomes disenchanted with form, disenchanted with feelings, disenchanted with perceptions, disenchanted with fabrications, and disenchanted with consciousness. The, the enchantments that we put ourselves under, this, this little spell that we have woven for our whole lives and still are, that needs to be broken. And if we see the passion that we put into this, we can break this spell. speaks. From disenchantment, passions fade away. Dispassionate, the well-instructed Dharma practitioner is released from clinging to wrong views. With release, they know through direct experience, I am released. Released through their own efforts, they know that birth is ended, Life integrated with the Eightfold Path has been completed. There is no further clinging to the world. This sequence of giving up passion, breaking the spell, of our identifications is crucial in life on the path. And we, we find these places where we cling to things, where our passion nails us to the floor. Through diligent practice, we need the concentration to stop this chattering brain 
need the mindfulness. And we need those, the restraint that's taught in the virtuous factors to show us where those passions are, where they come up when we start to feel uncomfortable. The Buddha speaks. Friend, Tisa, think of it this way. Imagine two men, one skilled at the Dharma and one not. The man unskilled at the Dharma asked the skilled man to describe the Eightfold Path. The skilled man would answer, the path is like this. You walk along and you come to a fork in the road. You avoid the left fork and you take the right. You walk further and you come across a thick forest. Further still is a swamp. Even further, you come along a steep cliff. Continuing on the path, you arrive, you arrive at a delightful place of spacious and level ground. I tell you this story to teach you that the unskilled man is an ordinary person with no knowledge of my body. The skilled man is a worthy and rightly self-awakened man. The fork in the road represents uncertainty. This is where Tisa is right now. He's at the fork in the road. He doesn't know what to do. Although he's been there for a while, his, his motivation is, is wavering. He's looking back on his, on his old life, and he's looking down on his body, he's looking down on his rag robes, and um, he can't quite, he doesn't, he doesn't yet see the full length of the path. The left fork is the wrong eightfold path. This path continues wrong views, wrong intentions, wrong speech, wrong actions, wrong livelihood, wrong effort, wrong mindfulness, and wrong meditation. The right fork is the Noble Eightfold Path. This path develops right views, right intentions, right speech, right actions, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right meditation. The thick forest represents ignorance of Four Noble Truths. Really the, the base of our suffering, the thick forest that we all have to work through is um, because we don't yet understand the Four Noble Truths. We don't understand that this suffering is part of life and that it's only our own clinging to identity and sensual things turn it into discontent and that there is a way out and that the Four Noble Truth and the Eightfold Path is the way out of this discontent in life. The swamp represents sensual desires. I like it when he puts the great pictures in there. Uh, because, you know, uh, ever been in the swamp? You're not going very far. You know, every step is difficult and dangerous. 
um, it impedes our progress, sensual desires, the things that just boil up in our minds and our bodies. The cliff represents anger, resentment, and despair. When you hit those places, you are literally going off the cliff. You are quite often out of control. Great metaphor. The delightful space like delightful place of spacious and level ground represents the release from craving for and clinging to wrong views, ignorant of four noble truths. The conclusion of the Eightfold Path. And then the Buddha says this to me wonderful thing. He says, rejoice now. Tissa, rejoice. A rightly self-awakened one is here to inspire you, to guide you, and to teach you. Buck up, Tisa. This is going to be fine. You know, you have a teacher here. You have a sangha. You have everything you need. You have the Dharma here. You have everything you need to fulfill this path, to walk the path to the end, to end your suffering, to end your discontent. And I have to say to all of you and to myself, buck up. When it looks hard, when it's just tough going and you don't know why you're doing this and what the use of it is, and all that. You know, we all run into this from time to time. Meditation is hard. The kids are crying. Um, you know, um, the chickens just died. Um, you're just having a hard day at work. Um, why should I put myself through all of this? Well, at the end of this is the release. And we have the words of the Buddha. We have the memory of him as a, as a human being like us. We have the Dharma that is still here, that is clear and concise. and understandable. And we have the Sangha. And the last uh, you know, two days that we've spent here together in a very intense way uh, in this retreat um, has shown me, you know, and, and I'm sure every one of you how important this sangha is because this will keep you going thank you wonderful Ron. thank you i thought i could get through it without getting for clint but you did good it was a great presentation of that sutta. You know, you really um, nuanced out the, the fine points. It, it is a rather um, dense sutta. And so that's one of the reasons I gave it to you. <laughs> because you're the professor. You can you can pull all those those little nuancy things out of it. You did a wonderful job. Thank you. All right. Let's go around the room. Uh, well, Mary, you're sitting next to me, so give us your thoughts. 
Well, wow, um, because uh, I read it a couple of times this afternoon during our break, and um, it wasn't anywhere near as rich as it just was with your telling of um, of this sutta. So thank you so much. Um, this is intense. This is um, a big one, you know if we're living with the five hindrances, if we're clinging on to them as a sense of self, you know, look at the suffering we're causing ourselves and look at the swamp <laughs> we're in. And, and if only we knew that the release was a little further down the path, you know, because, because of your telling of this sutta. So you really blended in so much optimism into the telling of this sutta. And it's just very inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, the, the Buddha's personality, again, comes, comes through here, at least for me. Yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, he was a very gentle guy. He could have, you know, hammered down on poor cousin Tisa, uh, but he just, um, you know, a little chided him a little bit and, and showed him how to get out of his funk. Karen, how are you doing? Hey, everybody. Hey, Karen. Thank you, Ram. You know, listening to you, I felt like I was listening to a wonderful story. The way that you told it, it was mesmerizing to me. I really, I really enjoyed hearing about um, the path, you know, that you described, um, especially the cliff, the way you described it as anger, you know, and out of control. And I mean, every, every detail, the way you told it was was very clear and um, yeah, I just felt like I was on the journey with Tessa, Tessa or Tisa. So thank you for that. And it was not at all dense. It was very, very clear. So uh, yeah, no, you, it was beautiful yeah, yeah. hearing you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've, I've done some dense uh, circuits. Uh, this one didn't feel dense to me, um, and, you know, and, but the last dense one I did was at, was it, oh, a year and a half, a year ago, um, the teacher's retreat, uh, that felt dense to me. Uh, <laughs> this one, uh, maybe it's just that my, my, my view on, on the, uh, on the Dharma has, has, has cleared up a bit. Yeah. This this one felt like uh, it wasn't quite a lightweight, but um, it was just so. It would always talk to a question, to a situation, yeah. and and the situation is, is very poignant here. Mm. You know, we, you know, I've been there, and a lot of us have have, have been there, you know, or will be there. Who knows? Yeah, this suit is it. Beautiful example of compassion married with wisdom, isn't it? Because, of course, he has compassion for his cousin, but he also has the wisdom to not give in to his, his cousin's um, frailties and just speaks to him directly about, this is what you need to do if you're going to save your mind and save your life, which, of course, is the most compassionate thing that we, we can do for anyone, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, Becky, how are you doing tonight? Hi everyone, I'm doing great. Rom, you did it again. <laughs> this was a wonderful presentation. I really, I loved the way you brought in the personal history of Tisa mm -hmm. to give a little bit of context to this interaction. And, um, I really learned from reading this a couple of times this afternoon and from listening to you 
it really comes through here what a what a wonderful teacher the buddha was like like john just said he was compassionate but he didn't he didn't coddle he just explained the way made sure that tisa understood the precepts of the path made sure that he wasn't confused about anything and then just you know, showed him the way and gave him him the answer and the um the ending where the buddha says rejoice now because you have a wonderful teacher here to help you and that is all you need that's all you need and that that really brought tears to my eyes when you when you when you got to that point because you know teachers are very important in my life and this was just such a it was rejoice because it's right. gonna be fine you know that's just so lovely it's just so lovely so thank you um i really i i enjoyed and i enjoyed listening to it and, and i've been here a lot and it was helpful to see how the buddha explained the right path and the right path was not easy it was the easy path it was the path where you ran into the forest and the swamp and the cliff and you had to get by all of that and that's that's heartening because you realize it's not easy. It's not an easy thing, what we're trying to do. And the fact that we have this wonderful Sangha to give us guidance and help when, when we're in Tisa's situation is just, it's just remarkable, just mm -hmm. remarkable. So thank you all and thank you, Ram. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Becky. You know, the, uh, the Buddha did this for 45 years, every day of his, of his awakening, uh, to literally to his dying breath, he yep. taught mm. in the most compassionate way. Um, there, there are, uh, God, there are circuits where you realize you know, some of them, uh, some parts of the Dhammapada, you know, come out of those last months. And you realize this is said, you know, to some unknown monk by the Buddha on his deathbed. He's racked by pain and he still takes the time mm -hmm. to set somebody right to encourage them um it's it's staggering it's so beautiful. it comes through and you know here we are 2600 years later and it's visible in the sutta you can find those instances yeah of, of what a what a wonderful human being this was so it, it to me you know it's the first jewel yeah and that's that's what's often lost when we when we um, fabricate the Buddha into some type of God, because then that's not something that we can, uh, we can't do the same thing as Siddhartha Gautama did when we elevate him to a godlike status. Uh, but of course, that's not how he ever presented himself. He always presented himself, in fact, insisted on being seen as a, an awakened human being, but not as anything extraordinary, just, just the guy. And in fact, that's the only separation he made from himself and other people that awaken was that he's just a guy that figured it out first. But that's it. That's the that's the only um, declaration he made about himself is I figured it out first. But you can all do the same as I did. Thank you, Becky. Thanks. Thanks.
Is that for me? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's for me. Um, wow, you're a master storyteller, I have to say that. <laughs> that was beautiful. I practice on that. I realize it now because I'm, I'm not, I never was a, a, a speaker, but uh, a couple of months ago, um, I realized that I spend, I don't know, 10 years reading to my kids at night. <laughs> And um, somehow that's where that voice is coming from. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I used to be deathly scared of, of speaking in, in public. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and telling stories. I didn't like telling stories because uh, it was too much. There was too much, um, I don't know, self-identification involved and all that. Um, but reading to my kids for 10 plus years, uh, every night, uh, you know, all of, all of Harry Potter and, <laughs> and wow. you know, you know, the usual suspects, uh, but that's where that comes from. Well, it, it, it definitely comes through and, and, um, just the way you told the story and giving it time to sink in, I think mm -hmm. for me, that was the most powerful. And um, I, I've had a lot of experience, I think, with the concepts in here through my life, you know, with the, in fact, I can, I can think of some of the hardest, most difficult times in my life where I actually physically did this in my, I mean, I physically did the path, the road, you know? <laughs> yeah because I was in the swamp of the intense emotions and just swirling, you know, and not being able to see out of it. And I just can remember leaving my house and walking up the hill and then just going up into the brush and then into the trees and the forest. And I mean, it was that is what saved me actually, you know, it was actually the physical journey of doing this, you know. Yeah. So that's for me. It's more than just a metaphor. It's a real thing, and and nature actually saved me a lot of times. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I can relate to the forest and the cliff, and and uh, and and what it taught me is that everything changes. The minute you change your surroundings, especially if you go out in nature, because of there's something there, you know, to get out of your the place where you are and get get into nature where the energy is different and um, everything changes, you know, and then you feel differently and then you realize everything's impermanent. Yeah. And, and achieve the balance between all that stuff going on inside to you realize it's it's puny compared to what's going on outside. Exactly. And um, yeah, and it just, it, you know, my attention was in a different space and then all of a sudden, you know, it didn't matter anymore. So, um, so yeah, I can, I, I really, lo I love this sutta. It's really nice. It's nice to hear it this way too. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I keep wanting to say Eileen, of course, but uh, Jimmy. Hi, Rob. Uh, I want to know what the other lady said about your storytelling. Um, I could I could listen to you tell a story all day. Uh, <laughs> the way you presented the story, I think it made it you humanized it and I think you made it very relatable and uh, you know that we can all have this time where we're not sure and uh, I also agree with Becky that you know the Buddha was such a great teacher I like the way that he he questioned Tissa you know and made him affirm you know answer back and right. that way he took ownership so mm -hmm. so thank you Ron Mike Hi, Ron. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, very nice job. Uh, could you do me a favor? 
can you sing that song, Give Me a Home Way to Buffalo Rome? <laughs> <laughs> I want to record it and play it when I go to sleep at night because I, I think I would have a calm and peaceful evening sleep if yeah. I could get your voice. <laughs> I may be able to do a couple of chapters of Harry Potter, but you don't want to say it. I see you don't take requests. Okay. Uh, I love the I, I, I love the way it flowed. Um, to me, it it represents the uh, the uh, the hurdles that we have in our own uh, practice, coming to those points of, of of questioning whether or not to go on, or uh, maybe something happens. There's a setback. There's a, a misunderstanding, or or we just get. You know, we go off the rails for a bit, and uh, I, I think we all have to kind of, you know, we're faced with that. But I know this much that I know that, like, whatever occurs in life, uh, or has over the past couple of years, and several things have, so I realize that I could always come back to to the Buddha's Dhamma. Not that I'm I. I'm like really have left it, but I I know that I know that the Dhamma is a refu refuge for me no matter what occurs in this life, and that puts to end all my questioning as to whether or not I should be on this path or not, or whether or not I should pursue mm. it. So that's and your very eloquent uh, um, uh, talk and and, uh, and the way you just made this come to life uh, again uh, who was it that uh, mary someone said uh, you know you make things come to life here when you read from a special gift that you have and the message seeps in when we hear you talk so thank you so much for that wonderful job <laughs> julia hello hello everybody um basically i would repeat everything that everyone else has said um Thank you, uh, Ram. I, I do. I do love every time you you present a, a sutta that how you present the whole story. And and at this time of the day, in the evening time, it's perfect to have a story. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's the perfect time for it. And I, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I have nothing to add further. All the comments, pretty much, what everyone said is is would be repeated again. So thank you very much. Jennifer. You know, I don't think I spoke one single time on the first retreat that I was on without crying. <laughs> and uh, now I, I rarely cry, but always cry when I listen to your presentations. <laughs> High five. Well done. Uh, and also set me up great for tomorrow's teaching. So I thank you for that. Um, you know, when we, when we, when we use form to define ourselves, it's stressful because form changes. And if we're using that form to define ourselves, it's because we like that form. And that is stressful because we know that it's going to change. And then we, we waste all of this mental real estate trying to ignore that noble truth. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you're trying to keep the change in form, trying to keep the change from happening, that is a tough job. <laughs> you know? Um, and it's not just aging, you know, it's not just aging. If you, if you attach to this form, um, you're, you're just in trouble. You're just, yeah. it, it, because it will turn on you every which way. Yeah. And that it's, form will never be big enough or tall enough or smart enough or cute enough or anything. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's being self-identifying with form is the essence of greed. And aversion, you know, it's all yeah. wrapped up in that. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think about when I first started learning this stuff and, and you know, on 
just you could just spend years just trying to understand that we use how we use the five clinging aggregates to define us to, to explain ourselves to ourselves all day long yeah how stressful that is and thank you you're welcome thanks jen David, evening Ram. Um, wonderful teaching. Uh, I've always thought Tessa represented us. He is fraught with the hindrances. He is joining with what Jennifer just explained that sometimes you want to go out and not worry about this truth that he's started to learn that it would be easier. Uh, people want to go out and shake their fists at the injustices. They, they again, join with that pain, they identify with, with things that are empty, that can't be satisfying, that can't, you can't hold domain over them. And, it's heavier lifting than the path and the path isn't easy and the path isn't guaranteed but as the buddha said you know there's a teacher here for you and that's what's great about this sangha uh and john said it earlier uh everyone that speaks is a teacher yeah. uh, some more eloquent as yourself some more wise than like John, uh, but even the newest person provides wisdom yeah. because that's where they are in the path. That's all you can do. So uh, Tessa was just at a different point and hopefully, I don't know the end of that man's story, but you uh, got some pretty good advice. So <laughs> thank you. Thanks, David. Grandfather Joshua. Grandpa. Hi, everybody. It's Thank us. you, Ram. Well, kind of what I got out of this was Tisa was kind of full of doubt and, and uh, was suffering. And, and uh, the kind-hearted Buddha had a little chat with him and said, well, listen, you can take the left hand path and join all those other people who will spend their life being distracted, trying to find the right woman or the right that new car or that perfect house or, or whatever. And, and, uh, uh, but you also, could choose the right-hand path. Now, it's not going to be easy, but you may have a way to get out of your suffering. And you ought to be pretty happy with that. And uh, uh, so that's kind of what I get out of it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You got it. Thank you. Josh. All right, we need a closer. Kevin. Take it out of the park. <laughs> well, I would like to echo what everybody has said. And Ram, you know, your um, art of, of elocution, elocution with the Dhamma and the way you warm it up for us and, and just bring us into sort of, you know, the boot, the room. You, you really do. You, you were able to really communicate the Buddha's warmth through the way you tell um, not only this, this sutta, but all of them. So thank you so much for that. And, you know, your compassion comes through the way you teach uh, at all times. So thank you for that. Um, I really like, again, to, to continue on the Buddha's teaching style here. He, he doesn't do it all for Tissa, but he, he, you know, he shows him 
why he's misled. And I love how he asks him questions and, and makes him ask, answer his own questions sort of, and speaks to something that we've been talking about here sort of throughout the classes. And this will probably roll into the next ones, but we've also used the word dispassionate, disenchanted. Um, and the Buddha says with this release through direct experience, they know I am released released through their own efforts. They know that birth is ended life integrated with the eightfold path has been completed. There's no further clinging to this world. That's right. What Josh was saying, you know, this, this is a path for, for your whole life. It's not going to be the easiest, but this is it. This is what, this is enough. This should be enough. If you're seeing things clearly, my friend, and you are my cousin. So I'll put my hand on your shoulder and you're missing something here. Um, and it's really nice how he, directs him back into his own experience. He says, Tissa, this, this is all coming from inside you. You know, you can do this. And, um, that's just really nice how it circles back to the direct experience, back to what we've been thematically talking about here. So I thought that was nice. Do you all notice that, that what the Buddha did for his cousin, we all do for each other. And I'm, it's almost brings me to tears to say that, but do you, do you realize that's what we're doing here? It's the most compassionate way that a human being can treat another human being is to teach them the truth or or be an example of that. And that's the, I guess I would say that's the responsibility that comes with the, being a Dhamma practitioner is to understand the extraordinary nature of this ordinary practice and what we can do for I know you've heard me say over and over again, if we really want to, this is particularly relevant this past week, if we really want to end conflict in the world, if we really want that, we'll end conflict in our minds because that's the only way. Yes. And yes. we're doing that for each other. We're supporting each other and ending our own inner conflict rooted in that ignorance of four noble truths. And it, it's just it's just so beautiful to see class after class after class, not just on retreat, but every class yeah. we have. So. Yeah, the metaphor here is also beautiful in that We've said that the path is difficult and, you know, the, the, the proper eightfold path. And it, it's really nice how he says that you get to this delightful place of spacious and level ground. And that's the reference to a calm mind. And yeah. we, we, we practice to reach that point of a calm mind. And we know that there is a cliff edge that is just there. And, and we realize the harm that if we have the three defilements, anger, aversion or diluted thinking or, or greed, aversion, diluted thinking, excuse me, we're taking a large risk because we're going to have to do all the work again. We're jumping off a cliff mm -hmm. and we're going to have to climb that long road all the way back to regain our mind, our mindfulness, the quality of our mind. So yeah. I really like how the Buddha presents it to Tissa that way that, you know, this, this is important and, you know, Careful not to jump off the cliff. You may slip, you may get close to the edge, but to really jump off the edge is, is probably something you want to be careful about. So yeah. right. thank you so much. I'll, I'll say one one point of argument with that, Kevin. I don't think it's a difficult path. And I know you've heard me characterize oh, yeah, it by yeah. saying it's a path of ease and joy, but it is not for the faint of heart. Persistent, it, I think, it, is a better word rather yeah, than it, it, it takes well persistent. courageous. I think I, the most courageous person yeah. I've ever yeah. read about was Siddhartha Gautama. You think about what he gave up in order to achieve what he achieved. Um, I don't know how many human beings would give up the palace and everything that goes along with it to seek a life of, of yeah. really what is just basic understanding and to see the value in that, you know, to understand that what the most important thing as a human being is to understand what it means to be a human being. It's not to have the biggest hut with the most coconuts in it, is it? What's more important than to understand who and what I am in relation to the world? You know, that's what he taught. That's what we're teaching each other. And, and this this same story has has played out in our sangha as well. Yeah, over and over again. Yeah, I, I remember an instance uh, less than a year ago, where uh, our you know study members were having a really hard time, and um, you know we just stood by, stood by him yeah. and gave him the, hopefully the guidance and, and you know, um, he stuck with it and, and he's still here. Yeah. yeah.
Um, is that Matt is signed back on as Laura? Is that right? I can't really see it. Is that you, Matt? Oh, it's it, Matt still here. We have the second soldier. Sorry, guys. I got uh, kicked off my own internet uh, for some reason. Huh. Uh, so I had to uh, rustle up another device. Okay. Uh, well. I, I missed a little bit there. Um, I didn't hear everyone comment, but... Uh, Wasn't important. <laughs> <laughs> it was all important. Oh, it was important. But it was good. Well, you know, Ram, I'd just like to echo a lot of what everyone else has said in that you just you have a way with story and and that that really that really helps that really helps these the buddha's words go deep mm. and that helps us remember um and that's a part of practice yeah. you know i i think that tissa is each one of us and that's part of what this timeless path is, this timeless practice is. The Buddhist teachings are timeless in this way because this is one of us where we've all, you know, as Mary said, we've all gone and dealt with hindrances. You know, we've all dealt with doubt and, yeah. you know, aversion and laziness and, you know, restlessness and all of those things. Um, we've all dealt with unskillful mental qualities. Uh, and so when we come back to what the Buddha is teaching, when we encounter these unskillful mental qualities in ourselves, we tend to narrate them. We tend, we tend to come up with a narrative about how right. difficult it is or bad it is or, you know, so when we really look at it, those, that's just a story. And what's occurring is feelings arising, thoughts arising and passing, mental fabrications arising and passing. So, you know, all this is just right in there, right in that sutta, right, right in, right in it. And what is the Buddhist instruction? When we encounter unskillful mental qualities, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. Yeah. So, excellent Sangha discussion. Ram, thank you again. Beautiful. Thank you, Matt. Um, so, we're all Tissa, aren't we? But you could also say that about every single sutta that the Buddha teaches. When I read the Paticca Samuppada Sutta, now it feels like the Buddha is teaching me directly. And I think you all feel the same way because that's how he taught. He didn't, he didn't teach in, in, uh, um, in concepts. He taught, he taught two human beings and every one of his suttas comes through that way. Um, but Ram, you did just a wonderful job, um, making this sutta even more human than it would otherwise be. So thank you. Um, so, uh, Saturday night on retreat, when we're at Juan Dharma Center, we have a tradition that was began by, uh, our friend Tof, Tof Scott, of, uh, listening to a little song from, uh, a wonderful Hawaiian singer. And so I wonder if we could finish Saturday night with listening to that song. If you, if you want to hang on. All right. Let me, let me see if I can bring it up. Should be able to hear it. Can you all hear it?
So, some of you know this is the point when I lose it on retreat. And I told myself I wouldn't, but I always do. Um, and some of you know that I knew Izzy, the artist here. And the reason why it makes me so emotional. Izzy was a, a man who died way too young. He was well over 400 pounds when he died. But he had a heart as big as his body. And when I'm in this sangha, uh, I see that heart in all of you. It's really amazing. The, the, uh, the care and compassion that you show for each other it really is what makes our sangha, I don't want to call it special, but it's what makes our sangha work. And I guess the inter most interesting thing about what we just listened to is that, uh, it, that it was another sangha member that said, why don't we listen to this? I never would have thought of listening to Izzy on a Saturday night during our retreat, but it, it, it sure fits, doesn't it? It really is the, the, uh, the, the perfect way to, to end our Saturday. Um, so thank you for listening, staying with it. Um, we will, and, and again, I'm sorry for losing it. I try not to. But. <laughs> um, I hope you all have a wonderful evening. Keep focusing on your right speech and the other factors of the Eightfold Path. Uh, and we'll uh, join again tomorrow at nine o'clock uh, with Jen. And then uh, uh, our guest, uh, Dhamma teacher, will close up our session at one o'clock tomorrow but peace everyone peace peace john thank you rob thank you john thank you everybody thank you for listening i rely on donations to support the continued restoration preservation and presentation of the buddha's dhamma if you find benefit here please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com thank you peace